Welcome to a podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. Our academy is a national organization committed to excellence in orthopedic manual physical therapy practice, education, and research. And we're here to explore a wide range of topics with you through interviews with content experts. Welcome, AOMT listeners. Today, we have the privilege of interviewing Lan Lin Poo, who published an article titled Utilizing Directional Preference in the Management of Cervicogenic Headache, a case series. And this was published in 2023 in the Journal of Manual and Manipulative Therapy. Now, before we get into the uh, interview and our chat with Lin, we are going to give a brief background. So she graduated with her entry-level degree from the University of South Dakota, and then she went on to undergo further training and received her uh, diploma in Mechanical Diagnosis and Therapy, or MDT. And she is now currently a Senior Physical Therapist in Outpatient Rehab Department at Faith Regional Health Services in Norfolk, Nebraska, and she uh, describes herself as a plain old clinician, and I like to remind her that the plain old clinician oftentimes does not have a publication or is a diplomat in MDT. So Lynn, with that being said, uh, welcome. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you, Kevin, for giving me this opportunity to uh, have a conversation in your podcast about my recent publication. Um, first of all, I also like to give many thanks to my research colleague, uh, Dr. Ron Shang and Dr. Eric Miller that has helped me through this process and eventually be able to uh, publish this paper. Yes, teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, I got to spend some time with Ron Shank uh, a few years back just to get a feel for the MDT system. I definitely really learned a lot while I was there. So now uh, let's get into this a little bit. Do you mind just giving us a little bit of a brief overview of this manuscript and why you felt it was important to publish it? Yeah, absolutely. This publication just came out. Um, it's e-public publication right now, and the hard copy will be coming out in 2024. We decided to, uh, based on the, the type of practice I'm in, we decided to do a prospective consecutive uh, case series study on using directional preference to treat or to manage cervicogenic headache. And we recruited 18 patients total in this process that qualify for the inclusion criteria. And then from there, um, obviously, we have to use IRB uh, because there's human subjects involved. Definitely learn why people do not publish because the process is definitely tedious. There's a lot of learning curve that I had to do, but thank goodness we have, I have two good research colleagues that guide me through it. So that's definitely a, a important lesson to learn. If you want to publish, you have to have the right people with you. But there's, and, and when the subjects, 18 other subjects, when they are recruited and they meet the inclusion criteria, they come in, they receive MDT assessment. And during the first visit of the assessment, they are asked to fill out four outcome forms. Nurse, uh, the first one is the numerical pain scale, the neck disability index, the headache disability index, and the yellow flag uh, risk form. And, and, and then we track them. Um, they have to fill those forms out again on the fifth visit. 
10th visit or at discharge, whichever comes earlier. At the end of the study, 15 of them, of those subjects, the data we were able to collect, uh, three of them dropped out because of certain reason. The outcome measures shows uh, statistically significant improvement in all those four outcome tools. It's basically concur with what I see in the clinic, Kevin. These people are uh, responding beautifully. All these the scores, the means change the scores, are exceeding the um, MCID. So uh, we were pretty pleased uh, how it turned out. Having gone through uh, both my clinical doctorate and my academic doctorate, to see this linkage that you just made, not only in the manuscript, but also for the listeners here, uh, of how you were observing something in clinic, you felt passionate enough about it to work with uh, some seasoned uh, academics and researchers and then also go through what is arguably a, a not so friendly and oftentimes painful process of getting IRB approval. So to, to just hear you going through all of that process on your own versus the more traditional route of a clinician makes a couple of case observations and then somebody else takes the lead is really, really exciting to hear. And, and again, I think it, it does put you a little bit uh, above the edge of, uh, quite a bit above the edge of being just a, a, a basic clinician. Thank you. The goal of, you know, my ultimate goal of publishing this paper is also to bring awareness about what I see in a clinic is concurring in what is being published and, and to uh, allow people to know that there's other methods. There's a method that you can use to help these people that have chronic, suffering chronic headaches on a daily basis. It's such a rewarding experience to be able to change their symptoms, to be able to affect their quality of life. And that's, that's ultimately what the paper is all about, is, is hopefully to bring awareness so that we don't have to have these people rely on injections, medications, simply just a Band-Aid most of the time. So you make a good point about bringing awareness, and arguably many more people now know about mechanical diagnosis and therapy. When I was in school, it was more referred to as the McKenzie method, but I'm sure there are some that are not. Do you mind helping us understand about this classification approach, which is a symptom modification approach, before we go too far into to the rest of the interview? McKenzie method or known as mechanical diagnosis therapy method is it's a treatment-based classification. It's assessment method. We look for, ultimately, we use patient movement to classify patients. We use repeated movement to classify these patients into four categories. Um, the first one is called the derangement syndrome, dysfunction syndrome, postural syndrome, and then if the patient does not fit in all the other three syndromes, we put them in the other categories we label as other, which can be, you know, your stenosis, uh, your inflammatory patients, or uh, mechanically inconclusive or mechanically um, unresponsive radiculopathies. And it's basically using patients' response to repeated end range movement and posture. The system is guided by directional preference. Directional preference is what we use to um, in this research paper because it is the movement that identified that can 
um, uh, produce positive symptomatic change and, ch and as well as changing the mechanical response or the mechanical baselines that you measure in the clinic. The big thing for cervical, you know, for cervical genic headaches is majority of times you'll have a loss of range of motion in the cervical spine. The most common syndrome that we usually observe in the clinic is the derangement syndrome and oftentimes associated with the directional preference. We have headache patients that is, when they're treated with directional preference, they will experience rapid change, a rapid reduction of headache. Their range of motion will increase. And sometimes they'll see centralization occur in syndromes. And in regards to headache, and some of these people that come in with headache that is in the eye region, and, and when you apply the correct directional preference movement, you'll see that pain move out of the eye and into the occiput area or into the cervical spine region. Derangement syndrome is basically, the definition is, is there's obstruction in the, or disturbance in the joint of the cervical spine, and it's usually variable, but the hallmark is there is a directional preference. Dysfunction is the second type of syndrome, a second category um, is mechanical deformation of the structurally impaired tissue. Um, these people usually have only end range pain. As far as headaches, I have not really seen anybody that come in with dysfunction headaches um, because they only have it at end range because you only produce that headache in the when you load the impaired structure. Honestly, in my practice, I haven't really seen them. The most common ones is probably your derangement uh, syndrome. Third one is postural syndrome. It's by definition is mechanical deformation from postural stress. Typically, you've seen kids, high school kids, that have sitting poorly, and they they adopt in this in this poor sitting posture, and eventually, you know, produce this nuisance headache in the head. Um, but if you correct them right away, get them out of that prolonged stress position, the headache goes away. So again, this group of people, you don't really see them very often just because they can get out of that loaded position. They commonly, they don't come into the practitioner and complain about pain. The last one is the other. If we, if none of those patients are fit in one of those three syndromes that I just mentioned, then we put them in the other category. If you have a headache in stemming from um, either stenosis or uh, mechanical out response to radiculopathy, and you cannot make a change to it. There's no directional preference in this group of people. Um, again, you know, we are skilled uh, physical therapists, clinicians, so we continue to use our skill to basically get these people to more functional, teach them how to manage the, their symptoms, teach them posture education, and basically uh, lead them to be able to manage it on their own. So those are the four categories of how we classify people uh, in the MDT uh, classification. Lynn, if I recall, the largest number of people with low back pain uh, have a directional preference into extension. Is that still pretty pretty recognized as that's the highest probability? Yeah, as far as lumbar spine, 70 to 80% of the people usually have directional preference for extension direction in the lumbar spine. You are correct. Is there a similar majority of people will go into to a similar direction for the neck or is it slightly different for neck and headache patients? In regards to neck and headache, um, the percentage is definitely less, uh, but we don't have enough evidence to confirm that. But 
in my observation in the clinic, definitely sagittal plane movement, which is moving them into retraction, retraction extension or manual procedure that goes into the sagittal plane movement. Um, I would say probably about 60 to 70% of the time you see that. And it does with this uh, group of patients, it looked like the, the majority of them did have that retraction extension. I did notice a couple where uh, it was looking at uh, a sustained versus uh, a repeated. Sometimes there was overpressure, sometimes no overpressure. Is there some method that you're using to determine when you should use any of those other aspects or, or variables in the treatment? The beauty about MDT system, the most important principle about using this system is safety is the biggest concern for treating this type of population. So there is a built-in safety mechanism. So we always test them. We always use repeated movement first. And if the repeated movement is producing a directional preference or favorable response, you continue to encourage the same movement and, and send them home with the direction of movement because they will continue to produce positive response and uh, lasting effects. Now, if you have done the repeated movement, they come back the second visit, their symptoms remain unchanged or they are, their headaches is not changing, their mechanical baseline is not changing, that's when we apply more overpressure. If you're still not getting enough uh, favorable response in the clinic, usually clinician overpressure or mobilization is definitely utilized to, to seek much better outcome or response. So, so it, it's more systematic way of loading these people safely when it comes to treating headaches, you do re you really need to be careful as far as not causing the headaches to get worse because you will not get them back. It's important for you to go through this, 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 the loading strategy ca carefully um, in order to eventually get their uh, permission, cooperation, so that they will do what you're trying to tell them to do. What I have found in the clinic is if the sagittal plane movement, as far as doing it, retraction, retraction, extension, is not giving you favorable response. We will move into the more the frontal plane, and and I've seen uh, favorable results by doing sustained lateral flexion or sustained rotation for some of these headaches. Again, headaches can be coming from upper cervical spine, lower cervical spine. My experience, the treating these cases of headaches is the one that is in the eye or the face tend to like more sustained position, more so than repeated movement. Absolutely. It brought up another question that I had for you, because a couple of them, it looked like it was more sustained thoracic motion or, or repeated. Uh, is there something else that gives you a clue that you need to go to that uh, area of the spine? Great question. The MDT system is such a systematic way of evaluating. So before we decided to test the thoracic spine, I've exhausted the movement in the cervical spine, and I'm definitely not getting favorable response or good response from that. But there is some change or the change is not lasting. It's not, it feels better, but it doesn't last. Either some of these people will also have some peripheral pain, the next step will be looking at thoracic spine. You will also get the baseline, range of motion of the thoracic spine, and uh, where the symptoms is, 
and then move the thoracic spine and see whether you can improve the headaches as well as the mechanical baseline. You don't go straight into manipulating or immobilizing the thoracic spine um, just because of the location. We do it systematically. I'm going to ask you a question based off of kind of attack that I would do more with a, a manual or a mobilization technique. If I've got a patient who seems to have a lot of irritability around a, an area of the spine, I'll, instead of doing mobilizations there, I might mobilize a couple of segments away and over time come back to it. Are, are, would you do the same with the thoracic? Like they're not responding, they're a little flared or, or something's telling you cervical spine's not right. And you go to the thoracic, treat there a little bit, get a positive response and then go back to the cervical or will the MDT system tend to stay in that thoracic area? Usually the MDT system will give a pretty clear idea whether you need to stay in that thoracic spine or you know, go back to the cervical spine. It's it's pretty clear cut to us as far as MDT clinician. If we're getting, if we're mobilizing thoracic spine, which usually requires a lot of force and requires a lot of manual technique, you're turning the headache away uh, off or reducing it. Then I I probably be more aggressive about looking at thoracic spine. But at the same time, I will also make sure that cervical spine range of motion remains better. That makes sense. So one other thing that you had said in the in the previous response was looking for a lasting change. Do you mind kind of defining that a little bit? Is that within the session? Is that across sessions? Before being an MDT clinician, you always have patients coming in and they feel good for for a session or for the moment, and then they come back, they're like, I'm about the same. So that got me frustrated, and that's what started my whole journey and, and how I landed to be an MDT clinician because the system allows me to be able to be thorough about assessing the cervical spine or the lumbar spine using directional preference where you usually will create an improvement in the symptoms as well as the change in mechanical baseline. If you see either one of them or both of them change, um, most of the time, majority of the times, the symptoms usually last, and 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 usually when they leave the clinic, they feel better, and and as a result of that, you continue to provide them with the directional preference self-treatment technique to continue to restore what you have what you have discovered in in the evaluation, so that they can continue to maintain that lasting effect that they've been experiencing in the clinic. That also helps with buy-in as far as when they start to feel better, they're like, okay, this is a real thing. I want I make sure that I continue to do that. So it has to affect the mechanical baseline um, as well as the symptoms. That makes absolute sense. And it's one of the things I, I do love about patients that I get that uh, marked improvement is being able to give them something that they know they have control over their progression by having that reinforcement at home and being able to, to impact themselves, it's a, it's really delightful to be able to do that for patients. Absolutely, and that that's the beauty about what we're able to offer these people because the patients that I get are the patients that have trial a lot of other stuff, and it's been passively done to them, and the system that that I use on them allow them to be able to self manage and self-treat and to continue to keep and suppress their headache because you're changing their life when you take their headaches away because these people have suffered headaches for years 
it's an amazing tool to be able to share it with a patient um, to affect their life. And that observation about them having the symptoms for years is something that I hope funded researcher is going to be able to really take your preliminary work and, and dive into it with a much larger trial in that when I look at the statistics here, the requirement was that they have their headaches. Uh, I believe it was weekly uh, and for at least three months. But when you look at the demographic information of these patients, only three of the 15 were at the three-month mark. In fact, uh, of the remaining 12, eight had had their symptoms for longer than a year. So there's, I mean, there's not a lot of chronic pain conditions that respond like that. And I think that's a, a very powerful thing that we need to just have more info about. A lot of patients do not associate headache with neck problem. Um, that is the fact. As physical therapists, we are not known to treat headaches. I think it's, a, it's an area that is poorly tapped um, just because we're not very good about marketing it. But a lot of these headaches have some kind of musculoskeletal condition. It is a type of musculoskeletal condition. One of the important questions that you always have to ask if you do treat a cervical spine or thoracic spine patient is, do you have headaches? You know, do you have history of headaches? That is one of the baselines or one of the criteria you can use to measure. It's like if you're treating cervical spine and thoracic spine, are we affecting the headaches? Um, I think that's one of the important questions that as clinicians need to um, be more proactive about asking. Such a such a valid and excellent point uh, of, of, you know, it, I like these. In fact, uh, some of my co-instructors that will even say, like, I, I will take these patients all day long because there is such an opportunity to make a big change on somebody who's a problem for such a long period of time. But you can't do it unless you look. So that's a very true point. The last question that I had more for you was looking at the diploma versus the certification for MDT. Do you mind just describing what the difference is for those two? Certainly. A certified MDT is the first step that you take to be credentialed by the McKinsey Institute. You have to complete four courses and then pass the institute written and practical credentialing exam and then once you completed that, you will be a certified MDT physical therapist. As far as the diploma PT, and I am one of those people that's credential in that since 2017. In fact, I'm the first and the only one in Nebraska right now. So I'm pretty proud of that. It's a lot more detail as far as um, the training. You go through 10 weeks of distance learning through, presented by the McKinsey Institute International. Then you have a minimum of 360 hours of clinical residency in one of the place that is determined by the MDT Institute. Once you completed that, you have to pass an advanced written and practical exam before you can achieve or attain the diploma level. So it's pretty grueling process and anybody that has gone through the diploma training feels like they have move up to a different level of skill set and has feel like they have the expertise to uh, tackle a lot of spinal conditions 
So, Lynn, if you had somebody who was sitting in front of you and they were considering the diploma route as an MDT practitioner, what recommendation would you give them prior to undergoing that that training? What what insight or, or uh, well wishing would you give them? Another great question. Obviously, you have to be certified first. I would highly recommend somebody to be certified at least two years before you decide to embark on the diploma route because you need a lot of practice. You need to see a lot of cases. You need to go through this, do a lot of assessment and see a variety of musculoskeletal condition. And I think eventually that can help you in the diploma training because if you're if you're a fresh graduate and you go from after one year certified and then you immediately move on to diploma, I think just lacking of uh, experience in seeing patients can be a disadvantage. But I think, you know, it took me 10 years uh, before I get my diploma. Part of it is because it requires some financial help. It requires you to be away from your family for extended period of time. Um, requires you to have a lot of focus on your on on the didactic program, so it does re- take you away from your family. So you have to be very committed to the diploma training. But once you achieve that level of training, you're in the next level. Well, that's very helpful, and I'm sure we've got some listeners who are considering going that route. Uh, so, Lynn, the last question I have for you, are there any other projects that you have uh, in the mix that you think our listeners should be looking out for? Yeah. The next project, my research colleague and, and myself are using the current data that we have collected. We're looking at the use of yellow flag risk form in, assess, in assessing psychosocial risk in people with cervicogenic headache. In my current paper, we have noticed that the yellow flag risk form that measure all these uh, psychosocial risks, all those, the scores that was amazingly high when we collected on the first day, significantly reduce when their headaches are better. So that is a amazing change that we saw, uh, which lead us uh, writing a paper about, about yellow flag risk form. I am fascinated by all of that, and I am looking forward to reading that paper once you are able to get it published, because good luck with the rest of that process. Lan Lin Poo, I really appreciate the time that you've spent today, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much, Kevin. This has been a production of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. You can learn more about the Academy by visiting our website at aaompt.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for our acronym, AAOMPT. 